Montello, and welcome to a special episode of No Crying in Baseball. If you caught our episode this week, you heard a little bit of an interview with our friend Danny C., the guy behind the CPBL English Language Twitter account, and he's been doing lots of great promotional stuff with CPBL. That's the Taiwanese Baseball League this season. Well, we had a lot more to say with Danny, so we are bringing you the full episode right now. The first about 10 minutes or so are what you already might have heard in our weekly episode, but enjoy it again. Don't you dare hit that fast forward button. Stop right there. All right, enjoy the episode that we have with Danny. We have a very special guest for you today on No Crying in Baseball, Daniel She is back. You last heard him on April 23rd when we were just wetting our dainty little toes into the CPBL. Daniel had posted on Twitter that he was looking for some international fans for a video project. And by the time I responded, he had gotten his share because those were in the heydays of foreign fans for CPBL. But I said, hey, why don't you join us on our show? We interviewed Daniel and just, I think a a week or maybe two weeks later, he was hired to be the social media guy for the CPBL. And over the course of the season, watching Daniel tweet and do recaps and do promos has been fantastic. And so we have Daniel back with us today to do a little bit of a recap of the season and to talk about what's happened since April 23rd. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. It's, it's an honor to be on. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you back. And I'm feeling like we're sort of kingmakers. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, we've sent people off to ESPN. We sent you, you know, off to like glory with the CPBL. I think this is, we're a stepping stone. We're a stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure all the big boys are, are watching, are listening to your podcast every single day, which, sure. Uh, making sure that, you know, the guests are, are getting all they need in terms of uh, uh, having job opportunities and, and, and live decisions. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So yeah. you know what? Before we before we start, I, I have to admit I I listened to the just the very beginning of your last episode. It's been, as you know, a very crazy busy weekend, and I've yeah. been working. But uh, could you tell us about Sharon? Yeah. So I have a podcast called Rants with Danny She, and so Sharon is a guest I, that I had on last week. And found her on Tim Millville's Instagram account uh, after the game in Xingzhuang between the Lions and the Guardians. Uh, Potty Mouth, you should know this game very well. Uh, oh, yeah. Tim Millville, yeah, Tim Millville with a 126-pitch shutout uh, in Xingzhuang. And, Incredible. And the, yeah, that was an elimination game for both teams, essentially. And then uh, Tim Millville happened to see what Sharon had put on her Instagram and then put it on his Instagram moment. And then I saw that. And then I was like, oh, wow, uh, another fellow English-speaking Taiwanese watching the CPBL. So we met up. You know, there was a lot of planning going on. And then we met up before Game 5 of the Taiwan Series outside of the stadium for a short a half-an-hour interview and then, uh, yeah, and that show right now is on my podcast. So um, go to ranswithdannyshi.buzzbrot.com and you will be able to tune into that episode. Is Was that a date? That was not a date. You know the folks in the chat room are trying to make this into a date, right? 
That I was I was I was told very clearly that if it were gonna be a thing in the future, oh, that okay. to make to to make sure to make make sure to make it a distinctive, um, that work belongs to work and the other stuff belongs to the other stuff. So no, that was not a date. That is very wise. I like I like to see that you know compartmentalizing things, keeping things professional. Good work. Look at yeah. Patty being the responsible woman. I'm like, come on, have you asked her out yet? Let's go, Danny. <laughs> No, <laughs> unfortunately, no. It's it, it will take a while. I think. Okay, yeah. I'll be patient. Okay. <laughs> hey, so we want to hear about this gig. I mean, you clearly want a future in sports broadcasting or something to do with sports. We talked about that last time you were on, and you're headed that way. I mean, what? So tell us about like what your day was like with CPPL. Uh, the day, days are crazier during the Taiwan series, obviously, during, than the regular season. I, I went to five out of seven. I, I was hoping I, was, I could go to all game, Taiwan series games. So now I can only, only go to one game in Tainan. But yeah, the Taiwan series games are much more crazier. But on a normal regular season game, I do the preview about an hour. I post it about half an hour before the game starts. But I, I write the preview about in like early afternoon just to get it out of the way. And I get to the off when I live tweet the game. So, you know, you guys, you, you could have you probably realized like by September, I was only doing one game per week. So when I live tweet the game, I go to the office where there's a space where all the media hangs out if they're not at the stadium. And I go there about, you know, I get there about half an hour before the game, settle in, set up. Watch the game, live tweet during the game. And then after the game, I stay in the office to do the recap, which takes about an hour to do. You know, the recording, the editing, and then the uploading, exporting, and all of that it takes about an hour. And then I go home after that. So I will probably be at the office during the game and probably one hour before, one hour after the game. Um, and then there is uh, sometimes, obviously, for the Taiwan series and some of the more important games in the late regular season, I would have I would make a promo video. So those were really fun. May I just say you are very yeah. good at that. Yeah, I found a cool template online and, and just plugged the CPBL footage in. But yeah, yeah, that, those are really fun to make. That is so cool. So I didn't realize that you only saw one of the games in Tainan. I want to know which one was it? Was it my birthday game? It was game, game five. Hey. No, it was game five. So between yeah. your vibes and my birthday vibes, we turned that shit around, right? Like that's when yeah. the lions started to roar and it all started coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned Sharon, right? The uh, the lions are 3-0 and after our, our my interview with Sharon. Oh, see, Potty Mouth wants it to be about her and you're making it about Sharon. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I think we're done here. There was there was definitely a palpable pause before the word interview. Didn't he almost say my date with Sharon? Was it, oh, didn't no, you sort of hear that? Uh, Potty mouth, you need to stop. You need to stop right now. I totally do. It's not I, okay. I, I want to know more about your coverage of the Taiwan series, though, because it was such an emotional series, right? Yeah. I mean, how did you feel during that, would, did you know that, like, when did you get behind the Lions? Were you behind the Lions the whole way? How did you feel about the momentum shift there? So there were times during the series where I, I had emotions and then I thought it was because I was behind the Lions. But then when the series, <laughs> was, when the series was over, I kind of realized that I just wanted to 
to get to seven games. Yeah. I just wanted as much yes. baseball as possible. So, you know, by, by the time it was three, three to one brothers, every single time the Lions win, I just kind of felt happier that, you know, there was baseball going on, that I'm not jobless yet. Um, <laughs> and yeah. then, and then during game seven, I was really, I was much more excited during the seventh inning than I was in the fourth, you know, between the four and oranges for both teams. Interesting. Because that's, that's when it shifted. So th- the fourth was when the brothers were ahead, right? Right. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then the Lions had that wonderful comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And, and so I was, I, I, and I thought about it last night. I was like, is it because I want the Lions to win more than the brothers? I, I think the fact that it was, everything happened so quick in the fourth. So, you know, like it was one pitch and then hit and run and then hit and run and then hit and run. And then all of a sudden within a span of, you know, five, 10 minutes, it was four to three brothers. Yeah. So just to be, to be clear, the Lions came out first, right? So it was, right, two, right, it right. was three to nothing Lions. And then yeah. that inning was just like, oh man, Teddy was just, hanging in there that's the the lion's pitcher yeah and and so that inning everything happened really quickly and also i was like going around the ballpark so i i had a a really good shot of what was happening but cool by the seventh inning you know that inning it everything took a while ling jing kai you know the second baseman battled uh, battled a while to get a base hit to start everything and then the next hitter was pinch hitter gobuling who battled everything right. to full count and then he drew a walk and and then the following you know there's the pass ball the wild pitch like but everything happened to until to full count so everything happened really you know it took a while and it took time to build you know excitement it took a while you you just kind of feel like okay something big is happening and if the lines don't score here it was the seventh inning so you're like if the lines don't score here they probably won't get a chance anymore and so it's kind of like this is probably the do or die moment in this 2020 cpl season that's why i feel like i was i feel so excited yeah, well, and it came down to I think the brothers could have won it if they had taken out their starting pitcher because their starting pitcher, Miranda, who's fantastic and has apparently an ego and would not come out. And they let him stay in and he gave up the runs. Did he pull a Scherzer? Did he pull one he of those? Kind, I think not coming so. Didn't he kind of pull of an I'm not coming out? I don't agree with the decision to let him come up for the seventh inning. Right. Oh, to begin I, with. Like he shouldn't have even come yeah, in for the seventh. With. All right. But if, you know, based on, you know, like you said, based on the body language, it seemed like the coaching <laughs> staff made him a promise of finishing the seventh. Now, oh. I think by the time, by the time he finished, like by the time he gave up the lead, he shouldn't have, you know, went, okay, no, this is my inning. Because right. at the end of the day, you did already give up the lead. And right now the objective is to, stay in the game and he did not have the command of his fastball he did definitely did not have the command of his breaking ball you know the the, the ball that hit um the catcher in the throat you know that was oh an important play right that was, that important was such pitch. a key play that was right yeah, before because, they gave up the lead right right because that that moved that not only did the runners move from second to third you know from one base or 90 feet up but you think about that past ball and the following in the probably two two or three pitches after that gave up the lead. You're wondering if the catcher was affected by that that throw. And and that that you know, in in some of the Taiwanese commentary videos that I saw online, you know, that was obviously an important play. But the the one thing that's downplayed by it was 
the fact that the ball landed three feet ahead of the home, uh, three feet ahead of home plate on that pitch, and that means he did not have the command of his pitches, and like that that was what that wasn't just a one time thing. Like that was the theme throughout the seventh inning, and he was over a hundred pitches going into the seventh mm-hmm. inning. And during the game, like it, we were, you know, obviously we were at the game watching through since the third. He was there's a feeling that we got with like he's probably not hundred percent physically. And I think that I don't was think, clear. I, yeah. I don't think anybody at that ballpark playing that day was hundred percent because it is you know you know it's, there's been so so long and stuff like that. But he was sometimes you know holding his uh, his his uh, his waist a little bit. Sometimes it, it feels like he's not hundred percent comfortable. But obviously he wants to be in the game. But then again, you think about the fact that he's over hundred pitches. He, he never had a great command compared to Depola, sometimes even Esmo Rogers. He's not the guy, the best guy with the best command on that mm. rest, on that rotation. Yet he's over 100 pitches in a winner-take-all game. Game and seven, baby. Game seven. And you're just wondering, should they have put in Rogers a little bit earlier? Or maybe put in C.C. Lee in the seventh if you have to. And then so C.C. Lee is the fantastic closer for the brothers. Yes. And like as far as closers go in the CPBL, there aren't that many, I don't know, he's got to be the only one who's that rock solid, would would you say? Yeah, uh, C.C. Lee is definitely very untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um he he'll be up there. I think he's he, so good. He's, <sighs> they underused him. Yeah, I yeah again. I I think if I was CC Lee, I would be pretty mad I'd at be the series. Pissed off. <laughs> he only had two outings. One of them was in game two when the game was nine to one. The other one was ridiculous. Game, the other one was game three, game four, game four, and the score was five to one. Uh, six to three. He came in at six to one and then gave up a two run home run. It was six to three. But oh, I you, forgot you, about that. Part. <laughs> yeah, but but you you kind of if I was easily I wouldn't be mad at him if he felt disgusted after the game. Yeah, thinking that after, you know I, in game seven not only did he not show up but you know in, in between five to seven you're just kind of watching your team crumble and you had no say you had you had, you made no you know not 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 to his fault but like he was not on the mat at all and I think to a competitor like himself. He's been in the MLB. He's been in. He's had success in in Japanese baseball. He's probably the one of the the most successful. He probably has the best stuff among the closers uh, in the CPBL. Yeah. Um, but you know he's just not participating in the last three games when you just put yourself when you put yourself in a position to go up three one, not be in the final games and you just watch your team lose in a dugout. I think that is as a competitor that's tough to swallow. After game one, I was just, I'm not going to m- miss a minute of this series yeah. because it was such, especially as a Lions fan, right? <laughs> to see yeah. that the the drive that the Lions had and the joy that the Lions had. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're I, I'm dying to ask you, where did the flappy thing come in? Do you know where, like, when did that start? They did this like, like Karate Kid crane mm-hmm. eagle thing like yeah. whenever they got a hit it was like you know the shark thing for the Nats. so yeah. it was like yeah. it was their thing and that's when i thought that team has a thing and things yeah. win they just do like yeah. things win, <laughs> things win. I, 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 I mind blown mind blown yeah yeah so where um, did it come from though 
So it started in game after game four when you guys were down five to uh three to one. And you guys, and I love team, that. Listen to him do that. I'm one of the guys. And, and uh and after the game, you know, sometimes when you're down three to one, you just quite kinda of want to leave the stadium immediately, right? You want to get out of there, um, maybe re comment right. re and stuff like that. But the team stayed on the field after the game. They had a group meeting and, and you know, some of the older guys, you know, uh, Maya Siru, Gao uh, Ching, you know, they were giving team speeches just to make sure to have fun and stuff like that, all yeah. the cool stuff. Uh, and then I think it was Chen Jiexian, the center fielder, that, so that kind of – he came up with the Hawk thing. He said – because, you know, you guys are making good contact, right, between games two and games uh, games two and four, but just happened to find the gloves or it didn't fly far enough or or stuff like that. And so basically the idea is – or they first explained it as if they want the ball to fly further. So oh, they, that's they so wanna, cool. Ball um, fly. And, 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 and then so they were saying whenever they have a hit or RBI and in, in, in starting from game five that they will do the hawk. Day. So it started game five. It started, it started in game five. Oh, yes. that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, and and then after the series, after the Lions clinched it, and obviously you know they they interview all the all the guys, and then Gao Guoqing was um, was talking to the media, and then I think and, and then he said you know another reason that they did the hawk thing, and and they didn't want to say it before the series was over was that they wanted to like they were alluding to the fact that they want the the championship to fly away from the brothers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, I love and, it. Yeah, That's and then cool. and then, and then he was like, you know, we don't want to say that before the series is over. No, but that now that we've won it, we can say it now. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah. That that that's the gist. It was it was beautiful to watch. It was just so yeah. cool that every time somebody got on base, it was this flappy, and we called it flappy flappy. I'm sure that was not yeah. like what the technical they term, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I, yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that was definitely the official name of that gesture. Of that gesture, <laughs> the flappy uh, flappy. We can credit yeah. Phil Fly Girl for that. I think <laughs> she kind of coined the flappy flappy. Um, but yeah, the brothers in Game Seven came up with the shoot the bird down thing, right? That was so lame. Uh, that was so <laughs> last minute, and it, it was it was totally like they have a thing, they're doing well. We need a thing, and it was like the Fernando Rodney thing, Patty. It was like that, like you yeah. know, like. The arrow in the yeah, arrow. Yeah, the arrow thing. And I just thought it it was not as genuine as the flappy flappy. But you know, if I thought it was really cool. The fact that they did counter it and like shoot down the bird. <laughs> yeah. I, the fact that they, they did try to counter it was pretty cool. I don't they they never had like a thing, you know? Right. Like they don't they didn't have a, the clubhouse thing. Yeah, it is game seven. It kinda came in a little bit too little, too late. Now thinking back, but if they had one that I'm um, that helped with the momentum, and everything. But if they, the brothers could have could have won that game, and if they have, they had won that game, the you know the Robin Hood thing would have been a big thing that the videos would be talking about. Yeah, so I, I think that was you know in a grand scheme of things, that was a pretty good, more cool, cool thing that they came up with. Better something than not, nothing, even if it was reactive, right? At least it was a thing. Yeah, before the game, even. I'm not sure if they caught this um, on the broadcast, but before the game, they always did like this. This they. Um, sit in a circle in the middle of the field before the game and they they talk about stuff you know about the game or about life and stuff like that just to get themselves ready in game seven after they did that they you know they got everybody it used to be just the fielders 
but they got everybody, including Depola, Esmeralda's, like literally everybody the they could find. Mm-hmm. And and then they just kind of like you know you know standing around and we're just wondering what they're doing. And then they they did the thing to they like they did the Robin Hood thing. And then they were shooting something like basically to the outfield, to the center field, you know, the sky or the sky and center field. And then and so we were like, what? Like that's we were like at first we were like, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> but then you know you're kind of like, okay, no, that was the. And there were rumor coming out. Joe Suchi, the, the the veteran, before the game was telling the media, "Yeah, we got something to counter their 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 bird thing. Their flappy, then, flappy thing. And then, we're gonna shoot yeah. down those flappy, 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 flappy thing right here, buddy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then we saw that. And afterwards, I'm like, "Wow, like that's uh, that's fun to watch." But obviously, as a Lions fan, it's probably a little bit late. Yeah, but so, but this is so. This is at. The Brothers Stadium also. So those two yes. last games, games six yes. and seven, yes. the little underdog Lions who nobody, including Clive, hi Clive, thought that they were going to actually <laughs> win the series. Yes. yes. <laughs> they, they pull it off in the away stadium. And I was just, especially those last few innings, looking at the fans, how loud was that? It looked so loud. How can the, the like, Lions a, fans? No, the no the brothers fans. Well, the Lions yes, fans okay. too. Actually, the Lions fans yeah. were super impressive. And and right. thank you, power to you, Lions fans, to go into the away stadium and have that much presence. But also, like, but the pitcher is looking into that wall of right. brothers flat fans standing, screaming with their little like horn things. And, and and just the impact of that for the last two games, like what do you what did, what was that feeling? What did that feel like there? It's hard to put into words how how great the crowd was. I you know I I've covered the Texas LSU game for college football. Covered you know I've been to Texas games and and you know how big those can be. You know, hundred thousand people. Everything's big in Texas. Yeah, everything's <laughs> big in Texas. Um, I've been to you know. You know, I've I've been to some big uh, college basketball games. Um, I haven't been to a, a huge MLB game in person like that. But again, again, you think about like not when you hear the crowd um, scream this year, it it feels a little bit more than just your normal twenty, you know, normal playoff, normal game seven. You know, you're thinking about there's probably this is probably the only place on earth that that can have seventy eight percent capacity oh um, in a stadium 15,600 people right yes the for all four games of the of in in the brothers home stadium it was full it was a sellout crowd it was a full capacity but it was a sellout crowd 15,600 and in uh in in Tainan uh games four and five are sellouts as well 7,800 fans in attendance it's a smaller stadium in Tainan obviously game three I think was 7,100 so it's a little bit short but then game three you know it was kind of just like fans are they're not buying game three tickets because they knew it wasn't gonna be a clinching game but but you know six out of seven games were sellouts and the one game that was a sellout was short by 500 tickets so um it was over 80,000 fans tickets sold perform in person attendance and again it, watching it in person it just feels more than it's just a normal game seven it, it just feels more like a statement, right? That that the Taiwan is making, you know, like this can be cured and this can be done. And uh, luckily, uh, throughout the season, that that there was there were no uh, COVID outbreaks in Taiwan. But uh, yeah, it was it was fortunate, definitely fortunate enough for us 
that that uh, and we also realized is that we were able to finish this season but back to you know how great that it, it felt really fun it really did and not just because of the there were a lot of fans you know that you, you guys are probably at the national ballpark when they did the baby shark in the world series right and oh yeah it was, the <laughs> entire ballpark was in unison they were singing they were dancing a cppl game in the Taiwan series was four hours of that. Like it was th- uh, three hours of that throughout the game. And it was just loud. It was um, no fans left. Even in the, even in the game two, when the Lions were down nine to one, none of the Lions fans left. I miss that so much. Oh my God. I can't, I just, my heart is breaking and it's so <laughs> full that you had that. That's so, yeah. so great. And I just, I'm so, yeah, I miss mm-hmm. it so much. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and uh, I missed it too. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I uh, you know, a day and a half after after what I saw, I, miss, I still miss it a lot. And, oh. um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun atmosphere, and and the cheerleading, the dancing, the the singing, um, they don't stop during the at bat. You know, the, in America they would stop, you know, because right. of competition rules or stuff like stuff like that. But they don't do that here. And yeah, it's just a, a very wonderful um, environment throughout all seven games. And and like you said, the Lions fans were as about as loud as the brothers fans. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And they have their own section, right? So there's an away yes. team section. Yeah. And and the most the, the most beautiful thing was when the team won and yes. walks across the whole baseball field to go to the away team section to dance in front of them. Like right. uh, yeah. how that, I mean, can you imagine an MLB, the team going out to dance for their fans? We need this. That is <laughs> such a beautiful thing. It was so cool. That was yeah. an amazing heart. Like I was teary eyed at that moment. Yeah. And it started in that Xinjiang game I talked about earlier. Right, 126 shutout game. I think Gaoxin yes. came up with the dance on the spot. I think I maybe I maybe I'm wrong, but they they kept that tradition. Go with it. We we believe in lying with exact figures, right. so just go with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He definitely came, uh, came up on the spot. Came, in, came up with it on the spot. So yeah, um, and and yeah, and they did also just walk that in that game. They also walked to the outfield and and thank the fans. It's a they do that throughout the season. There's a there's always a dedicated away fan section. Obviously, there are a lot less fans during the regular season games than the Taiwan series. But um, the away team would, you know, after the game, I don't know if they do that in the states. But even if you lose, you come out. The entire team comes out and thanks the fans, right? And and oh no, there's uh, no thanking in the United States. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. At the really? end of a playoff game, if you lose in front of your home your home team, you're going to come out anyway. You're gonna come out anyway, and yeah, and say thanks okay. for the season. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, you're not gonna dance though because right. pff, we're not that good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. So throughout the the game, like throughout the series, it's it's a thing in Taiwan baseball that like even if you lose, you come out and then you bow to the fans. Um, you might you might line yeah, up MLB on the. MLB is not gonna bow. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> they, they they sometimes line up at the the first or third baseline or around the mound and they they, they think the the fans. Um, but the away team they would specifically face the away team section. They might not go all the way to the outfield, but they would specifically line up to face the away team section and then 
thank them for traveling. And then obviously in the playoff games and those important games that we were talking about that, you know, they went all the way to the outfield and, and did what they did. And, and so the, the dance thing is a constant, like that has always happened that you go and dance for, if you win, go and dance for your, your fans. No, it's not. Um, again, I think Kagochin came up with it on the spot because they were, you know, the, in, in Xinjiang against the Guardians. Um, and obviously that was an important game. That was an important win. And they came up off the spot because that was the first time that the Lions fans really got loud, right, on the wow. road. So the team hadn't danced for their fans before that? Like teams uh, in general? I mean, obviously they do the MVP dances. Oh, right, right, right. Right. So, so, so there's that. So um, they're not foreign to dancing in front of fans. But I think away fans probably was the first time because in the regular season, there's technically not an official away de- uh, uh, dedicated away section. Okay. But obviously uh, in the Taiwan series, they opened it up. So that's why that's why it was a lot louder in the Taiwan series because they were allowed to bring their brass band and their speakers. <laughs> brass band. A yeah. fucking nice. brass band in the stands. Yes. That is so cool. That is yeah. so cool. And and I've got to say though, so so game six, right? So yeah. pivotal game, Tim Melville. Yes. yes. He led the dance. So that yes. you know, so so I'd like to, you know, tell me a little bit about foreign pitchers and how they're sort of perceived there, because Tim Melville has just been such a joy to watch because of how much he's embracing what Taiwanese baseball is, that he seems to sort of just get into what's the norm there and that he led that dance was so cute. Yeah. I think, um, I think that was the idea that like the MVP of the game leads to dance. And he was so good in that game that he won MVP. So that, I think that was why he let the dance. Obviously, again, like any of the foreign pitchers would have, though. Like Dykes Horn would not stink with, they wouldn't have led the dance. Yeah, I think obviously Melville was definitely more willing to do it and, you know, was more fun at doing it. (laughs) Uh, Dykes Horn, though, it was a game four, was game seven was Chen Jiexian. He won the MVP award. Game five, Dykes Horn and Gao Guoqing led the dance in game five because Dykes Horn won the game MVP of that game. He threw a shutout. He threw a uh, nine inning shutout. So right. he led the dance in that game. He also did the Didn't game he win MVP, MVP in, in game seven, though? No, uh, Chen Jiexian won, won game seven MVP. Oh, okay. Um, Brock's Horn won the Outstanding Players Award for the entire series. Oh, uh, okay. Because he yeah. came in in game seven. Yes, yes. He 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 threw two games. He started two games and then relieved in the seventh inning. He pitched, what, seven innings in the first game? And then so that's about like 19 innings, one point something ERA throughout the series. And yeah, he got the outstanding award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still you're still sink you're still sinking everything in, right? The fact that they won a championship. I totally, totally. But also like Dyke's horn performance there. Like to to go a full game like also, you know, in MLB land, a, a complete game is a rarity. Like that just doesn't happen. Really? I, go- I, I thought Blake Snell was real was really good at Oh, oh, never mind. Yeah, no, never mind. I, I picked so, the wrong guy. Yeah, so this year we had those crazy double headers that were only seven innings right, long. So right. we had pitchers who pitched the seven inning double right. header games yeah. and it was considered a complete game, even though it wasn't a nine inning game. So it was, it was playing fast and loose with the math. 
Yeah, and but it's seven rare. inning baseball. Yeah. And yeah. and the pitch count. That was the thing with Dykeshorn, with the pitch count. I remember that game because it was like, is he going to come out for the eighth? Like, he's already over 100 pitches. And then he came out for the ninth. <laughs> like, yes, yes. What, like, who would do that in MLB? You're like yes. well over 100 pitches. Yeah, and – and you know we talked about Miranda in Game Seven earlier, and and basically, you know, we can criticize all the brother the the brothers' managerial decisions all we want, but they were you know a lot of the times both teams were making the same gamble, but it just didn't turn out for the brothers most of the time, and turned out really well for the Lions. It was a similar decision for the Lions in Game Five when they left Brad Dykes one in the game as the brothers' decision for Game Seven. But the difference is the Lions didn't have a bullpen, and the brothers did. That's that's not true. That is not really? true. The Lions bullpen is not that terrible. You look at that, you know, um uh and, and right, the brothers me, bullpen had, had the, the brothers bullpen had been slipping in, in this uh, late in the second half. And you look at how, you know, I think the big decision they made for game seven was largely because of their bullpen imploding in game six. You true. know, okay. every single pitcher they brought in either gave up a walk or gave up a run, you know, RBI single. Both teams had a bullpen imploding at one point during the season, uh, during the series. Mm-hmm. The difference being the Lions, it was just one pitcher uh, in Penway in game two. And then for the brothers, it was everybody. Also, <laughs> uh, but, but, but also, you know, they didn't really get a fair shake because they got like five pitches in before the pitching coach took them out. But, you know, everybody imploded right. and then they – and then the eight, eight run inning. The uh, the last bullpen the throughout was decent. The game two and game games two and four might be the exception to that. You know, giving up the uh, you know giving up important runs at late in games. But when I when I thought about the Dykes one thing, you know, yeah. By the time they got to the sixth inning, it was like ninety one pitchers or something like that. So yeah, it, it was he was on a high pitch count. But, you know, at the end of the day, after – did you know that the brothers went 18 up and 18 down since the fourth inning of game five? Wait, what? The brothers did not have a base runner since, like, the fourth inning of game five. Really? Wait. It's I'm not com- kidding. Completely? Yeah, they did not – like, because, you know, I was making the recap. And <laughs> we should know. And and actually, dear listeners, please watch Danny's recaps. Oh, my God. we <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I was making the recap, and then I was, you know, after the Lions scoring the six runs, and then I was like, okay, what's left? And then, you know, if you watch the recap, it jumped all the way to the ninth inning. And then I was right. like, wait, there's nothing happening. Like, literally nothing happened. And then I asked the, the, the my, um, I asked the guys in the, at, in, at, you know, the official scorers, who I became friends with during season, uh, throughout the season. I was like, did it? Did the brothers have anything going on in the in, in the, since the fifth inning? And they checked the book. They're like, no, they went eighteen up and eighteen down to to finish the game. And I was like, that's how dominant Dykes one was, and, and that's probably why he was in. Miranda gave up three runs early, but he he was quite dominant after four, you know, between the fourth and seventh inning until the seventh inning. So I, you know, it it, it was kind of like. Motto mm, Motto is kind of like a similar decision between both teams. I don't know if that's the right, you know, the, the right phrase. Of, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, the, everything that most of the gambles that the brothers made did not turn out well for them. And most of the gambles that the Lions made, especially in the last three games, turned out really well for them. 
I want to pull us out of the weeds for a second because you guys are so far into the play-by-play -play yeah. of these games. Yeah, I got That's a lot of listeners exciting. who are who are interested in sort of like the general idea, but probably haven't been watching those games. So I want to. Yeah, let's do it. So, like me, Danny, you are a monkeys fan. Yes. Right. And so you're going into this championship and you're covering this as a professional and you don't have a dog in this fight. Right. You've got these two teams that aren't your team. Does does that I mean, number one, how how did you manage to cover games where the monkeys were playing without being, you know, sort of like, hey, this is my team. And how was it like covering a championship where you didn't have a team in it? I don't know if I, you know, obviously every time it, when the monkeys were winning or they score, they have a big home run. I think even the, in the recaps, it's probably sound a little bit more excited than the other teams. <laughs> and, and, you know, there was a time when I kept on asking the group chat, like, hey, am I sounding biased? Am I sounding, uh, am I sounding partial? Um but none of those comments actually made, uh, was, was made. But yeah, in my, I mean, in my mind, I was... I was I, I was a little bit more excited with the monkeys scoring big runs and stuff like that, and and I think that's a you know that, that happens most of the time when I have a when there's a game going on and and I I kind of prefer one team over the other and I revealed this in my latest podcast but I kind of wanted Lions to to win the final uh, the the game again in Xinjiang right the again with the 126 Melville shutout game. Uh, that probably because the monkeys had to they had to win for the monkeys to stay in the season but the lions quickly became my second favorite team in may mine too go figure <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 i i i praised the lions quite a bit in in may when they were like when they had a bad record and i said you know they 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 might lost a lot they might have lost a lot of games but you know they never let you lose easy and I thought that was going to be important if it if they were going to be close to its championship, and it turned out it was. You know, they especially down there in those important moments, they don't try to hit home runs; they just try to drive the ball over the infield and and just trying to drive the get on base and drive the runners home, like old school baseball. And bat him on, bat him over, get him in. Yeah, That's and right. it worked in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, back to the monkeys though. Yeah, I. I I was obviously sad, but I mean, uh, when the season was over, but then the writing was on the wall. So it took me a while to get used to it. Uh, when I covered the Taiwan series, you know, there was a feeling of there's it, the monkeys are finally not in here because they've won the last three years. And not only have they won the last three years, but they won it quite dominantly in the last three years, 2016 and 2018, uh, 2017 and 2019. And, and so this year was really refreshing, especially with you know having such high intensity games going into game five game six game seven and game one was a, was an awesome opener for the series it, it was really fun to watch and the game was really close it was really the stadium was was loud um, both teams had shots to win the game and the defense was really good the pitching was really good and luckily for patty mouth uh, the lions uh, did come out to win that game because <laughs> I know like when we covered the World Series, you know, I'm not a Dodgers fan. I wasn't a Rays fan, but I was compelled and I wanted a game seven. Right. I wanted it to go all the way. I wanted as much baseball as possible. And the Rays had kind of won me over with a couple of players and, and, and whatnot. But it's like it doesn't matter to my heart 
which team, but boy, I want more baseball, just whatever it takes to get more baseball. Yeah, I, I think I was in the, on the same boat. Like, again, like I said earlier, game, after games five and six, I was happier than sad that the fact that we're going to more, or we're going to have more of CPPL baseball. And I can, you know, I, I'm, I still had a job. <laughs> but yeah, when this when the game was, when Talon Series game seven was over, obviously I felt happy for the Lions and stuff like that. But, you know, there was no emotional rush that 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 i would have gotten if my team had that my team had won i'm not sure if i want i you know i'm not sure if if i would want the monkeys to make it because that means i would probably a little less impartial during the Taiwan series which is not really really good and also you know as much as 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 i love the monkeys i i do think the lions deserve a spot in the Taiwan series more than the monkeys did so yeah, it turned again. It turned out to be a great series and a historic one with a three to one comeback. So you keep throwing out these lines about you know I would still have a job. I would still have a job. Do you <laughs> still have a job? What's going on? So I'm signed until November, and so I'll be still be covering the awards show. But you know, there's just you know, I, I joke about you know the job thing, but you know, it's just not the same without games happening and with the season being over, and there's no guarantee of what's going to happen next year. So. And, and you know, I I loved the last couple months. I lo- I I loved um, doing this for the CPBL. And yeah, there I'm going back to the states in January, and you just don't know what's going to happen and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I mean, it's just more of a you know things are different now rather than the season being over. And you know, I am gonna miss watching every uh, watching a baseball game every single day. Yeah, sure enough. Are you filling the time with college football? Well, it, there's only one college football game per week, right? If if you have a team, uh, and I'm not I'm not the guy that that would watch. You didn't watch the Clemson Notre Dame thing. I watched the over. I watched the overtime because I that just finished nuts. breakfast um, that day. You know, I I just you know I I couldn't stay up to watch college football in the last ten days. And right. but but the the Notre Dame Clemson game I did watch the the final drive the Clemson you know not scoring I I was able to catch that but when I saw fans oh my god coming down Go yep especially even before the game ended you know like they were really like they were crowded you know cl- at the railings and I was just my dad was stressed about that. Yep. Yeah, I did not know what how I felt about that. And and yeah, it's I know how I felt about it and it wasn't good. I was like, I get what's in your hearts right now, but god damn it, stop. Yeah, stop. and and it's not like it was it's not like it was like South Carolina State versus Clemson and they won. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I understand it was a big win. I understand that, you know, like it was the first win versus the number 1 team in like a century. But you're Notre Dame, right? Like you're like it should be better than this. Yeah, like I was like <laughs> Notre Dame should have known better, you know. And again, Notre Dame has, you know, they they, they want to be in that top echelon, you know, that that top echelon of college football. They weren't there, and then that this win versus Clemson kind of puts them there, you right, know, make right. puts them in the conversation. And I understand that because you know, as a Texas fan, I understand, you know. The, the the desire to think that you're there but you're never there and to finally be there you know yeah and and, and uh you know 26 2016 Texas versus Notre Dame when Texas beat the number 10 team and it was like Texas is back you know even then Texas did not rush the field okay like okay let's let's you know during a pandemic 
it you know the name. You, I mean, you you always brag about how smart you guys are and that how hard <laughs> how hard that is to get recruits, and yet you rush the field yep. in a pandemic year. I I wasn't too thrilled about that, and I turned off the thing immediately when I saw when I saw people jumping over the fence. I knew what was going on, and I shut it off immediately. I was like, "This is not going to end up well." Nope. So nope. Yeah. But you're going back to Texas in January, huh? Yeah, that's the that's the plan so far. I figured if I, even if I didn't go back for the semester, I would have to head back to get my stuff somewhere. Right. <laughs> so um, I still had to go back anyway. Um, might as well go back for four months rather than two weeks or, or a one week um, if I was going to spend the money for the ticket. Well, you know, there's always room at Potty Mouth's house if you want to come visit. Absolutely. We're not well, that close to Texas, but still. No, we're not. If you, we're, you get, if you want to get out of Texas and go to Tacoma Park, Maryland, then we have space for you. I'll keep that. I'll keep a mental note of that. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I think sort of on the, on the wrapping up level, because we've had you for a long time. And I'm sorry, I totally got like overexcited about the Taiwan series because it was it was so fun. That that was exactly what I mean on what I came on for to talk about that. Yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs> Perfect. It was it was just so fun. So what do you see in the future for you as connected to CPBL especially? Like next I, year? Hopefully the, the league has me back. Um and I, I still, you know, none of the things I made to the, this year was perfect, and I, I have made improvements to make. And and hopefully, I, I the league was happy with what I did. I know I was uh, working as hard as I could, especially in the last uh, two weeks. And and hopefully, uh, oh yeah, again, hopefully the league gets will have an opportunity to. I'll have an opportunity, another opportunity to work with the league, especially um, next season. But the plan right now for me, you know, I'm heading back to the U.S. in January. I'll be there for the spring semester. Hopefully I can land an internship somewhere and uh, see if I could, uh, you know, after, you know, I graduate next semester. And after I graduate, you know, if I don't land a a job in the U.S., then I have to come back to Taiwan and and, and so with, you know, it's it's very unclear even just like what's going to happen in 2021 because of COVID, because of, of uh, the the uh, the uh, uncertain nature already uh, of job app, you know the 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 employment visa in the United States. So what do I see in the future? I I I don't see much of anything, and that's why I've been I, I've been you know quite emotional after Game Seven because sure. because not only did I was I so you know into the season, but it was just kind of like. You know, I, I I was doing something every single day for for somebody, and then you kind of you just after game seven, nothing's guaranteed anymore. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I there there are no concrete cl- plans for me. Um, I, probably after Christmas because I won't be doing much of anything. I I need to finish papers and, and exams and finish the, the semester. Oh, right, school. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, Daniel, don't worry because you know, Potty Mouth and I are kingmakers, so you know the networks are listening. <laughs> yeah. Right? So uh, I'm sure, like within a week, you'll have like all kinds of opportunities just coming your way. You'll be fighting yeah. them off. Right. And, yeah. and I'm a teacher. I know how to write letters of recommendation. So if you need a letter <laughs> of recommendation, just come at us seriously right. because the work you did this year was just inspiring as far as the way that you reached out to fans 
fans around the globe and that you were always producing material and checking on how it was being received. Just, you know, between the time that we talked to you in April and now, it's been amazing to sort of just watch you absolutely blossom and come into your own and be the voice of CPBL for so many people. Like, just hats off to you, Daniel. Like, super you congratulations, it, you totally man. killed it. Yeah, and and I, I again, I I wouldn't I, as as much as you know, as much as everything I did, it wouldn't have meant anything if, if without if it were for you guys and all the international fans on CPBL Twitter. And yeah, I can't thank you guys enough for tuning in to the CPBL throughout the season. You know, there up there were ups and downs. There were times where probably the games were on a little bit too long or or um, after the first half season, there were probably a couple of games where the timing doesn't work out really well and and the viewership wasn't that great. And, and but, but uh, yeah. Brothers and uh, guardians. <laughs> But 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 you guys stuck with the CPBL, and uh, when the Taiwan series came around, you guys um, showed up showed up clutch, and and uh, yeah, during throughout the Taiwan series, um, it was a lot it was a lot of fun covering the Taiwan series for CPBL Twitter, and and yeah, and I again, uh, honestly, if it weren't for you guys following the league earlier in the season, I don't think the league would have gone try to go out and and find a a twitter person and so i can't thank you guys enough for uh watching taiwan taiwan baseball and promoting uh taiwan baseball to the rest of the world it's been fun oh my god i'm you know this is a whole new thing for us and we are all in we are all in and so thank you for yeah. all you do yeah th- thank you for tuning in um and and yeah there, there's more baseball patty mouth oh, potty mouth has a huge list of all the baseball leagues happening in in the winter so so you guys are definitely have a lot more baseball going on and it won't be at 4 and 5 a.m. for us. So I think I might be able to manage a little bit more. I mean, Potty Mouth was always there. I was a little bit more, eh, I got to sleep sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Even I skipped a couple of games because I got to go to sleep. So yeah. 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 Thank you, Daniel. You're awesome. We're so happy to know you. And we wish you all the best. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's an, it's an honor to come on once again. And, and yep, yeah, um, uh, for all the guys listening out there, for, uh, you know, uh, call me. I, I, I am currently, I will be unemployed very shortly. So, hey, where can people find you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you can, uh, I, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, but my Twitter is probably the most public one. Uh, it's on at Daniel underscore SHIH88. And that's uh, where I live on Twitter. And uh, these couple of days, I'm probably just going to post some random Taiwan series clips that I that I uh, that I um, shot that that didn't make the official account. And 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 there will be Texas football stuff, um, Texas Longhorn stuff coming up, and especially next early next year. And and when I when I go back to Texas. Um, I also have a podcast called Rants, called Rants with Danny She. The latest one being the interview with Sharon I mentioned earlier. Um, before Game Five, um, the Lions did go on go on to win three and zero after that <laughs> interview. So potty mouth, you can thank me later. And um, uh, and there will be a Taiwan series recap coming up. I would it will take a couple more days until I everything settles down and, and get a more complete thought on 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 it. 
I, I'm still running around, and when, when I go around, I'm still thinking about the games and analyzing and thinking about like the turning points. And so I need to make it more organized and stuff like that for the show. But there will be a talent series coming up, and yeah, so that's basically where to find me on Twitter. Again, it's at Daniel underscore S H I H eighty eight. Great, thank you so much. I just want to send one more big thanks and cosmic hug out there to our friend Danny She. I'm hoping that you remember us when you make it big someday in the sports world. Yeah, I remember who gave you your first break. Your friends here at No Crying in Baseball. Just a reminder that our next episode will be dropping at our usual time next Tuesday. And in the meantime, if you miss us, hang out with us on social media. On Twitter, you can get us at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram in No Crying in B-Ball. So until we're back next week, I'm going to say goodnight from Potty Mouth. <laughs>